Welcome to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. We hope the following program will challenge you and encourage you in your faith journey. And you will find out that forgiveness is a tremendous joy. For it is a key that unlocks the door of resentment and the handcuffs of hatred. It is a power that breaks the chains of bitterness and the shackles of selfishness. I wonder if you've ever refused to forgive someone. Maybe they deeply wounded you, or you felt that to forgive them would be kind of excusing their behavior. Well, today on Focus on the Family, uh, you'll hear the story of a Dutch woman who was empowered by God to give mercy, even in the face of unimaginable evil. Your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly, and I'm John Fuller. Well, our guest, uh, Corey Timboom, was born in 1892 to working-class parents in the Netherlands. In the early 1940s, Corey and her family risked their lives to help 800 Jewish people escape the Nazis. And Corey is the lone survivor of her family's incarceration in Hitler's concentration camps. Uh, providentially, a clerical error led to Corey's release from the camp just one week before all of the women in her age group were killed. After her release, Corey began sharing her story of forgiveness, redemption, and God's willingness to heal even the most painful wounds. In fact, this story was shared with the world in a book called The Hiding Place, named after a small closet where Corey was able to hide six people at a time in her home. Mm -hmm. That's right, and the book became a major feature film. I remember seeing that uh, back when it came out, and a highly acclaimed Focus on the Family radio theater production as well. And what you're about to hear is a message that Corey Ten Boom gave when she was 80 years old. Mm. Uh, in this, she is remarkably vibrant. I know you're going to be captivated by her words. So please uh, take advantage of this opportunity, sit back, relax, and enjoy this special presentation from Corey Ten Boom on today's episode of Focus on the Family. No, I have always been a watchmaker. I was the first licensed woman watchmaker in Holland. I repaired watches the whole day. I had a jewelry store together with my dad. And I could sell good watches. When you came to me, I could tell you now, when you buy this watch that is so good, that even if it makes a difference of two minutes in a month, you come back and uh, I can change it. But then uh, I thought later, I hope I have not boasted too much about my watch. What must I do when it makes a difference of five minutes in a week? You know, I do not sell watches anymore, but I sell the gospel. And I am so glad that when I tell very much about the great joy and love of the Lord, then there, I can never boast too much. For the reality is far and far greater than I can tell you and you can tell me. And I hope that when we come in heaven and we look back at this time, we will not be ashamed that we have so lived as beggars. And we are king's children, tremendous rich. And that's why I am so glad that I can tell you a little bit what I experienced. You all have heard of that terrible time that we have had in Holland when the Germans came under the leader Adolf Hitler and he intended to kill all the Jewish people. 
we started to save as many as we could. I had never planned it, but God had planned it. After some time, I had a gang of 80 people, 30 teenager boys, 20 teenager girls, 20 men and 10 women. And once we heard that in a Jewish orphanage in Amsterdam, all the babies had to be killed because they were Jewish babies. When we heard that, our boy said, we will save them and we will steal them. And they went to that orphanage and they stole all the hundred babies. <laughs> you will say, how is it possible? I will tell you a secret. You know, sometimes there came to us good uh, Germans and who were uh, soldiers were in the army, and they said, we don't like to work any longer for Adolf Hitler. We will not kill the Jewish people. Can you help us? And I always said, sure, I will help you. Just come in. And we gave them, of course, a civil clothing, and we took the uniforms. I have not to go into details, but you understand how uh, my boys stole the hundred babies. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> One of my bravest boys was Piet Hartog. And Piet said that evening, I believe we do the most important work that exists just saving lives from the morning till the evening. I don't long to go back to the college. This is life. <laughs> I said, Pete, I am so happy when I think of the babies that we have saved. But Peter is a work that is more important even than saving lives, and that is saving souls and tell the people about the Lord Jesus Christ. I said, Pete, every Christian is called to be the light of the world. And every Christian must be ready to tell the way of salvation to anyone who needs it. And in your time, in your life, Pete, will come a time that you will see it the most important work for you to win souls for Jesus Christ and to show that the way of salvation by believing in Jesus and inviting him into your heart. Half a year later, Pete came into prison. And when he came into the cell, he heard that he had only one week to live. And the day before he was shot, he wrote us a long letter. And Peter wrote, I am seeing now that the most important work for a Christian is to win souls for eternity. Say, young people, I have a message for you from Pete Hattoch. Don't wait till the last week of your life like he has done. But give your life today to the Lord and say, Lord, use me. 
take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. How you would, uh, will say it, I don't mind. But tell the Lord that he may take you to use you as the light of the world. And then I can tell you he will use you. And my, when you really will be used to uh, win souls for Jesus Christ once, when you enter the beautiful city and the saved all around you appear, many of them will tell you, it was you that invited me here. <laughs> Boy, that will be a joy. <laughs> <laughs> then you will know that you have not lived in vain. Once there came a man to me and said, will you save my, my wife? She is arrested. She has saved Jewish people, and now she is in a police station, and there is one policeman who will run the risk to set her free if we pay him 600 guilders, but I have no money. I said, oh man, what does money say? Let's see, I have 200 guilders. Come back after an hour. And in that hour, I asked all my friends, say, have you money? Give it. It means to save the life of a good woman. When that man came back, I gave him 600 guilders. That man was a quisling, a betrayer. His wife was not at all in prison. But the Gestapo the police of the enemy had said, find out if Corrie ten Boom saves Jewish people. And he thought, I can do it and make some money. And he made some money. He went home with 600 guilders, but five minutes later the Gestapo surrounded our house and we were all arrested. Later, when I was in a concentration camp, there came a prisoner from my hometown and she said, say, do you know who has betrayed you? I said, no. And then she told that it was that man. And there came hatred in my heart. The man I had given my last penny. But I know from the Bible that hatred means murder in God's eyes. But I also know from the Bible what to do with your murder. When we confess our sins, when we repent and ask forgiveness, then he takes such a sin and he casts it into the depths of the sea, forgiven and forgotten. That's what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say it, but I believe he put a sign, no fishing allowed. <laughs> True. And do you know, when I had b uh, repented of that sin, the Lord cleansed my heart with his blood. And a heart cleansed by the blood of Jesus, he fills with the Holy Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. Love even for enemies. And instead that I hated that man, I loved him. And after a war, that man was sentenced to death because he had caused the death of many Dutch people. And when I heard that, I wrote him, Your betrayal has meant the death of my old father, who was 84 years old when they brought him into prison. After 10 days, he died. My sister, who died after 10 months terrible suffering. My brother, 
He came out alive, but a sick man and died through that sickness, and his son never came back. I myself have suffered terribly in three different prisons, but I have forgiven you. And that is because Jesus is in my heart. And when Jesus tells you to love your enemies, he gives you the love that he demands from you. And I sent that man a New Testament and underlined the way of salvation. And that man wrote me that you could forgive me is such a great miracle that I have said, Jesus, when you give such a love in the heart of your followers, there's hope for me. And I have read in the Bible that you sent me that Jesus has died at the cross for the sins of the whole world. And I have brought my terrible sins to Jesus. And I know that they are forgiven. Your forgiveness has shown me what it means that there is forgiveness through Jesus Christ. And that man was brought to death that same week but he was reconciled with God, and God had used me, who had hated him, to bring him to the Lord. The greatest of all is love. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Man, I knew my marriage was falling apart. I just didn't know how to fix it. I felt like I would always be alone, even if I stayed married. At Focus on the Family's Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, we offer hope to couples in crisis so they can have the marriage they've always dreamed of. For the first time, I felt like my husband truly heard me. I've received some great tools from the counselors that have changed my life and my marriage. To begin the journey of finding health, go to HopeRestored.com today. I'm here asking people how they could both give and get. I don't know, maybe love? Yeah, you could both give and get love. True, but it's also possible with a charitable gift annuity. You get a secure source of fixed income and a charitable tax deduction. Plus, giving a charitable gift annuity to focus on the family helps families thrive for generations to come. I love that. Find out more. Go to FocusPlannedGiving.com. That's FocusPlannedGiving.com. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. In 1 Corinthians 13, I believe that Paul describes God's love. There are two kinds of love, human love and God's love. Human love fails on the long run, but God's love never fails. And I believe that this love that is described here is the love of God not only in the heart of the Father, but shed abroad into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who is given to us, Romans 5, 5. And when Paul uses the translation of Philip's, then he says, if I speak with the eloquence of men and of angels, but have no love, I become no more than blaring brass and crashing cymbal. 
Love knows no limit to its endurance, no end to its thrust, no fading of its hope. It can outlast anything. It is in fact the one thing that still stands when all else has fallen. And in my life all else had fallen. I stood in roll call in the concentration camp Ravensbrück, where 97,000 women were killed or died, also my sister. And when I stood there on roll call, one of the guards used her time to demonstrate her cruelties. I could hardly bear to see or to hear what had happened in front of me. But suddenly a skylar came, and he started to sing in the sky. And all the prisoners looked up. And when I looked up, I looked at the sky. And then I thought at Psalm 103, where it's written, As high is heaven over the earth, so far is God's love and mercy over all that fear him. And suddenly I saw it. Oh, love of God, how deep and great, far deeper than man's deepest hate. God sent that skylark three weeks daily, exactly during roll call time, to turn away our eyes from the cruelty of man unto the ocean of God's love. How can you and I understand God's love? At the cross at the cross where I first saw the light and the burden of my sins rolled away. It was there by faith I received my sight. When we look unto Jesus, we understand. When we look at the cross, what an ocean of love he has for you and me. I was questioned by a um, man in whose hands my life was. He was my judge. It was um, wartime. And if that man should say I had to be shot, I should have been shot. He asked me much about my spare time, about what my certificates, and I told him all. When he asked me about my misdeeds, I did not tell him all. He has known only of eight Jews that I had uh, saved, and I hope that there were more than 800. But when he asked me about my spare time, I told him about that work that I had under, with feeble-minded children. And when I told that, the man said, was a nonsense. Hasn't it found more value to convert a normal person than an abnormal one? And then I said, if you should know Jesus, you should know that he has a great love and concern for everyone who is in need. It is possible that a poor feeble-minded child has more value in his loving eyes than you and I together. Then he was angry and he called a policeman and said, bring her back to her cell. But the next day I was again brought to him and then he said, I could not sleep this night. I had always to think of what you told about Jesus. We have time enough for the questioning. First you must tell me what you know of Jesus. Boy, that was a chance. 
I said, Jesus is a light. Come into this world that everyone who believes in him does not remain in darkness. And I asked him, is there darkness in your life? That man said, darkness, there's no light at all in my life. And I brought him the old, old story of Jesus and his love. After me, Betsy, my sister, was questioned. With great joy, she testified to her faith. And she told about Jesus. And then she said, it is important to speak about Jesus. It is more important to speak to him. Do you allow me that I pray with you? And he said, yes. And she prayed with him. The prisoner with her judge. Five times Betsy was questioned. Five times she prayed with that man. Betsy died in prison. But after the war, I met that judge, and I, he said to me, I can never forget your sister's prayers. Through our, her and through my testimony, God touched the heart of that man, and he became a friend instead of an enemy. But he had to do his job. And suddenly he showed me papers found in my house, and to my horror, I saw names, addresses, and particulars. That could mean my descendants, and the descendants of my family and my friends who were in prison. You will say, how was it possible that such dangerous papers were found in your house? But I must tell you that my teenagers have done a tremendous, courageous job but they were not always careful. And so it happened that these terrible papers were found in my house. The judge said, can you explain these papers? I said, no, I can't. And I felt deep unhappy. But he knew how dangerous they were. And suddenly he turned, opened the door of the stove, and he threw all the papers into the flames. Oh my, how happy I was. I, I should never have believed, and you I should have told me that I could be happy when, they, when I was in a prison of an enemy. But that moment when I saw the flames destroy these horrible papers, it was as if for the first time I understood Colossians 3.20, where it's written that Jesus has taken the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, has taken them out of the way and nail them at the cross. See, do you realize that there are dangerous papers for you? Do you realize that in heaven all our sins are written down? And we have all to come for the judgment day of God. And if we have refused Jesus Christ in this life, the judgment day will be terrible, for we will have to pay and to carry the punishment for our sins. But when we have found Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior in this life, we have nothing to fear, for we will find, find out that Jesus has taken all our sins and nailed them at the cross. Hallelujah! What a love! What a Savior! 
Mm, we're halfway through a classic presentation from Corey Ten Boom, and we're going to hear the conclusion of her message next time. Uh, John, I can't imagine the pain Corey suffered spending almost a year in a concentration camp. And it's one thing to survive that kind of trauma with your faith intact, but it's quite another thing to be able to actually forgive the man that caused the imprisonment of your family and to share the Lord with your Nazi captors. Wow. I think that's the epitome of the term radical faith. And we often say this, John, but it's worth repeating. Many people are trapped in the sin of unforgiveness. Yes, it is a sin. The Bible repeatedly warns us that God requires us to offer forgiveness to others. In fact, in the New Testament book of Mark, verse 1125, Jesus said, when you are praying, first forgive anyone you are holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. That's from the New Living Translation. And that is uh, perhaps one of the more difficult aspects of the Christian walk, as Corey's testimony demonstrates. That's so true. And boy, if you're struggling with an issue of unforgiveness, please give us a call. Our staff would count it a privilege to hear your story and pray with you. And if needed, they can set up a free callback from one of our caring Christian counselors. It would be an honor for us to help you in that way. That's a big part of our ministry here at Focus on the Family. And let me remind you that we are a nonprofit organization, and we rely on your contributions to help with the expenses, including our amazing staff. And if you can make a donation of any amount today, I'd like to send you a copy of the book by Corey Tim Boom called The Hiding Place. It has a lot of fascinating details that we don't have time to include on this broadcast. And if you're not a reader, I'd highly recommend that you visit our website to get the download of our radio theater production of Corey story. It's an immersive experience that you won't forget. So get in touch with us today. Our number is 800-A-FAMILY, 800-232-6459, or donate online and request that book, The Hiding Place, at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. If you enjoyed today's program, please plan to be with us next time and tell a friend to join you as well as Corey Ten Boom continues her remarkable story. Now, when I came in that prison, we had to live with 700 prisoners in a room that was built for 200. It was terrible dirty, and very soon our clothing were full of lice. Those lice have caused many sicknesses, but in some way they have helped us, for the guards would never come into our room. They were afraid to get lice from us. That was good. The Bible was a forbidden book, but twice a day we had a Bible message in Barak 28, and God had used for that angels and lice. God can use everything. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once again help you and your family thrive in Christ. listening to Focus on the Family's weekend broadcast. 
We'll take a quick break and then return with the second half of this program for your family. Stay tuned. Every Christian is called to be the light of the world. And every Christian must be ready to tell the way of salvation to anyone who needs it. Well, certainly we're called to lead people to the Lord, and we might do that with friends, but imagine sharing the gospel with a mortal enemy. Today, we'll be hearing more from author and speaker Corey Ten Boom, and your host is Focus President and author Jim Daly. I'm John Fuller. Well, as we said last time, Corey and her family risked their lives to help 800 Jewish people during World War II. As members of the Dutch Reformed Church, the Tim Boom family strongly believed that all humans are made in the image of God, and that belief fueled their resistance to the Nazis. Sadly, Corey is the lone survivor of her family's incarceration in Hitler's concentration camps. Her 84-year-old father died soon after they were imprisoned, and her sister, Betsy, died a week before Corey was miraculously released. And if you missed part one of Corey's presentation yesterday, please get in touch with us. We can send you the entire message on CD or audio download, or you can get the Focus on the Family app for your smartphone. And I would add the YouTube channel as well. Lots of ways to listen. Give us a call if you have questions or would like that CD Jim mentioned. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, 800-232-6459 or you'll find those at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. Well, I hope you can sit back with John and I and enjoy the rest of Corey's story. There's some good stuff coming up. And here she is now, Corey Timboom on Focus on the Family, and we'll begin with a brief recap. You all have heard of that terrible time that we have had in Holland when the Germans came under the leader Adolf Hitler, and he intended to kill all the Jewish people. We started to save as many as we could. Once there came a man to me and said, will you save my, my wife? She is arrested. She has saved Jewish people and now she is in a police station and there is one policeman who will run the risk to set her free if we pay him 600 guilders but I have no money when that man came back I gave him 600 guilders that man was a quisling a betrayer his wife was not at all in prison but the Gestapo the police of the enemy had said, find out if Corrie ten Boom saves Jewish people. And he thought, I can do it and make some money. And he made some money. He went home with 600 guilders, but five minutes later the Gestapo surrounded our house and we were all arrested. And after a war that man was sentenced to death because he had caused the death of many Dutch people. And when I heard that, I wrote him. I myself have suffered terribly in three different prisons, but I have forgiven you. And that is because Jesus is in my heart. And that man wrote me that you could forgive me is such a great miracle that I have said, Jesus, when you give such a love in the heart of your followers, 
there's hope for me. And that man was brought to death that same week. But he was reconciled with God. And God had used me, who had hated him, to bring him to the Lord. I had a little Bible when I was uh, brought into that concentration camp Ravensbrück. I had a small Bible, but the whole Bible, Old and New Testament, specially printed for what they called the underground workers. It was very small. I had it on my back. But when we entered, I saw that we all had to be searched. And I saw that they took away everything that the prisoners had hidden under their clothing. And I got scared. I said, oh God, oh God, these people may not see me. God, send your angels and let they surround me. But then I thought, yes, but angels are spirits and you can look through a spirit. I said, God, make your angels untransparent today. You can pray very unorthodox when you are in great need. But God did it. God did it. The woman who stood in front of me was searched, and then Betsy stood behind me, and they did not see me. So I came with my Bible in the prison. Strange story. No, that's not strange. That is what is written in the Bible. Angels are ministering spirits sent to this planet for your and my help. And there are far more angels than demons. So we can know that those who are at our side are far more and far stronger than those who are against us. And that's what I have experienced. Now, when I came in that prison, we had to live with 700 prisoners in a room that was built for 200. It was terrible dirty, and very soon our clothing were full of lice. Those lice have caused many sicknesses, but in some way they have helped us, for the guards would never come into our room. They were afraid to get lice from us. That was good. The Bible was a forbidden book, but twice a day we had a Bible message in Barak 28. And God had used for that angels and lies. God can use everything. <laughs> Hallelujah. God can use everything. And what a joy. Many of the people around me were killed or died. But many died with Jesus' name on their lips. And that was worthwhile. Even Betsy's death and all the suffering that I had to endure. Once Betsy said to me, Corrie, when we are free, we must travel over the world. We can tell from experience that the light of Jesus Christ is stronger than the deepest darkness. A week later, she died. Another week later, I was set free by a blunder of men and a miracle of God. For one other week later, they killed all the women of my age. So I became a tramp for the Lord. Twenty-six years I have traveled over the world. And I could bring the gospel to many people, also behind the Iron Curtain. Oh, it was a joy. 
is always a joy when we work in Russia and in the other communist countries. You know, we bring there, we smuggle as many Bibles as we can. I will never forget the first time that I came in Moscow. I had a big red suitcase and it was full of Russian Bibles and Christian literature. And I saw how the uh, custom officer ransacked every um, suitcase. And I got scared. I thought, my, when he finds what is in my suitcase, what will he do? Perhaps he will send me to prison or send me back to Holland. Of course, he will take away the, the Bibles. And then I started to pray. Now, I like to pray with an open Bible. I said, Lord, uh, you have said in Jeremiah 1, God watches over his word to perform it. Now, Lord, these Bibles in my suitcase, that's your word. Now, with my hand on Jeremiah 1, I pray, will you watch over your word, my Bibles, to smuggle them? <laughs> that's not what Jeremiah said. But you know, I found out that it does not matter so much if you pray with an open Bible in your prayers. Uh, that first the Lord says, no, you must have a very sound and good exegesis before I will listen. No, the Lord looks at your heart. <laughs> and you know what I saw? The same moment that I prayed it, I saw around my big suitcase light beings. I saw for the first and the only time in my life angels. And the moment that I saw them, they disappeared. They didn't disappear, but I couldn't see them any longer. But my fear also had disappeared. I knew those who are with me are far more and stronger than those who are against me. And at last, the man came to my suitcase. He said, is it your suitcase? Yes, sir. That's a heavy one. Yes, sir. Oh, wait, uh, wait, lady. Uh, I have time. I can bring it to your, uh, to your car. And he brought that suitcase to my car. <laughs> I, I have almost shouted hallelujah. I didn't do that. But what a joy to know that all the promises of the Bible are in Jesus, yea and amen, and say that tremendous privilege that you have, that you can love your enemies. That was for me one of the greatest lessons that I learned. I was some time ago in a cell in Africa with a man who was sentenced to death, a political prisoner. I was so sorry. I asked him, say, do you know about Jesus? He said, yes. I have a Bible at home. I know that Jesus died at the cross for the sins of the whole world, also for my sins. I was so happy that he knew it. But then I asked him, say, do you know who have caused your imprisonment and your death sentence? He said, yes. 
I can tell you all the names of those who have betrayed me and caused my death sentence, and I hate them. I opened my Bible and I read what Jesus says in Matthew 6. When you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. It was Jesus who said it. it, must be true. But the man said, I cannot, I'm not able. I'm German strong, I have wife and children, and now I must die. I said, I understand that you cannot forgive. And then I told what Jesus had done in my heart. How I could bring that man who had really by his betrayal murdered four of my beloved to the Lord. I told him a little experience some time ago that I was in Berlin and there came a man to me. And that man said to me, do you know me? Suddenly I saw that man that was one of the most cruel guards in Ravensbrück. And that man said, I have found the Lord Jesus as my savior. I have brought all my cruel sins to the Lord and I know from the Bible that I have forgiveness. But then I have prayed, oh God, give me the privilege that I ask one of my very victims forgiveness. And now I saw that you were speaking here in Berlin. And now I ask you, Fräulein Boom, will you forgive me my cruelties? And I must confess you, that moment there came a bitterness in my heart. And I thought who my dying sister had suffered under that man. But then suddenly I said, Lord, I thank you for Romans 5.5. 5. Thank you, Jesus, that you have brought into my heart God's love through the Holy Spirit who is given to me. And thank you, Father, that your love is stronger than my bitterness and hatred. And that moment, my heart was full of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit, love. And I could say to that man, brother, give me your hand. And I shook hands with him and I said, I forgive you everything. And it was as if I felt the God's love stream through my arm when I shook hands with that man. When I told this to that prisoner in Africa, he sent his wife a message. And his, this message was, don't hate, love the people who have brought me here. You are not able, I am not able either, but Jesus in us is able. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. I was convinced that nothing could change what was going on in our marriage, and I didn't want to try anymore. But my commitment to God helped me try one more time. We went to a Hope Restored Marriage Intensive, and it was life-changing. The counselors created the safest environment we could imagine, so that let us really talk. We're on a much different course now, and I believe we received a miracle that week. Receive your free consultation at HopeRestored.com. Is it possible to love your spouse without expecting anything in return? 
Here at Focus on the Family, we're excited about Season 5 of the Loving Well Podcast. I'm John Fuller, and I'll be joined by my friends and colleagues, Dr. Greg Smalley and his wife, Erin, as we discuss practical ways you can show love and appreciation to your mate. You'll find the Loving Well Podcast at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash LovingWell. That's FocusOnTheFamily.com slash LovingWell. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. You and I have to be the light of the world. And I like to illustrate that with my flashlight. You know, this flashlight doesn't give light. It's not broken, but I have only one battery in it. I need, of course, two batteries. Now, this is like your and my heart, that first battery that is what happened when you said your first yes to Jesus. So that real uh, decision. And if there are here who have never done it, I hope you will do it tonight. And do you realize that when you say yes to Jesus, so really a man says that the angels rejoice? For your soul is very, very precious in God's eyes. And the moment that you receive the Lord Jesus, I told you already, all the promises of the Bible are yours. I asked the lady, say, have you ever received the Lord Jesus as your Savior? She said, I go every Sunday to the church. I said, that's good, but a mouse born in a biscuit tin is therefore not yet a biscuit. Do you know? To be in the church doesn't make you a child of God. She said, but my father and mother are very fine children of God. I said, but God has no grandchildren. (laughs) You have to make a decision because the Lord loves you. And he likes to hear that you say, yes, Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me and I will love you. Thank you that you died at the cross for me. Now, I'm glad she did it, that lady. But now... There comes such a terrific joy in your heart when you know that your sins are forgiven. That many people say, hallelujah, I am saved. That's the end. Now you may say hallelujah, but don't say it is the end. It is the beginning. That moment you must cash your checks. You must take all the promises of the Bible. And you must learn to live as limitless rich king's children. And one of the great promises of the Bible is that Jesus said, I will send you the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says, be filled with the Spirit. And that is that second battery. And that second battery... The fullness of the Holy Spirit gives you to be the light of the world. But I could not get it in my flashlight because it is full of rags. And you know these rags are unrepented sins. This is pride. This is jealousy, envy. This one is unclean thoughts, unclean deeds, unclean words. This is selfishness. These are occult sins. Now, I'm going to ask you something. Will you tonight pray? And will you say, Surge me, O God. 
and know my heart today that is said in the Psalms as a beautiful prayer. You can also say, Lord, show me if there are rags in my flashlight. And that's just the same. <laughs> and then the Lord will show you and say, yes, you are selfish. You are dishonest. You are a liar. And whatever the Lord says, don't make an excuse, for the blood of Jesus has never cleansed an excuse. But say, yes, Lord, I am. I have a, a light. Will you forgive me? And then repent. And repentance means asking forgiveness and then in the power of the Lord, turn away from your sins. And that is necessary. There was a pickpocket who was, who was a very good pickpocket. He stole about 50, 60 watches every week. And then he was converted. He said, now I am a Christian. I steal only five or six. <laughs> no. When Jesus shows his great love for sinners, when that woman that was found in adultery was brought to him, the Lord said, I don't throw a stone on you. And then he said, go and sin no more. And that is what Jesus can say. For he bids us fly and gives us wings. And when you have brought your sins to the Lord, then claim the fullness of the Holy Spirit. He will make you really the light of the world. And that is the great joy. We have not to strive and to try and to try. It is not try, it is trust, it is not do, but done. Our God has planned for us great victory through his son. They, people pray, pray for your fellow Christians. You know, half of a greatest half of the body of Christ is suffering persecution. And Watchmany said, when my feet were whipped, my hand felt pain. And the feet are whipped of the Christians over a great part of the world. Pray for your fellow Christians in these countries. And be sure that you cash your check so that you will be strong in times when you should come in difficulties of persecution. And the great joy is when you surrender all to the Lord. He will fill your heart with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a spirit not of fear, but of love and of power and a sound mind. I have here a glove that cannot do anything. But when my hand is in the glove, it can cook, it can write, it can do many things. No, I know that is the glove. That's not the glove. That's the hand in the glove. You and I are nothing but gloves. And the hand, that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit does the job that he makes you children of the light. The light in this very dark world. But you must give room to the Holy Spirit when my hand is only in the midst of the glove. Now the glove cannot do anything. No, you must surrender every finger, every corner of your life to the Lord. And he will fill you with the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Amen, we pray. Thank you, Lord, that 
There is such an ocean of love available. That love that you have brought into our heart through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Jesus, that you did that. And thank you, Father, that that love in us is sufficient and more than sufficient to overcome the problems that we have to face when we come home. When we go to our work, we praise and thank you, Lord, that your love still stands also when all else has fallen. What an amazing example of how to share Christ's love and his forgiveness as we've listened to Dutch resistance leader, Ms. Corey Temboom. What a mighty woman in Christ she was, John. And here's the rest of the story. After her release from the concentration camp, Corey traveled across Germany by train until she reached the Netherlands, where she reunited with surviving members of her extended family. After World War II ended, she was invited to share her testimony in more than 60 countries and was honored by the State of Israel for her work during the war. Her life story, The Hiding Place, was published in 1971 and quickly became an international bestseller. Corey moved to California a few years later and went home to be with the Lord in 1983 on her 91st birthday. What a glorious day that must have been as heaven opened the doors and she entered in. I'm sure it was. And as we said at the end of the program last time, Corey is a tremendous example of a person who forgives because it was what the Lord commanded us to do. And he can empower us to do it in our day and age too. And if you're struggling with a situation where forgiveness is needed, please give us a call. Our caring staff would be honored to listen to your story and pray with you. And if your situation warrants it, they can set up a free callback from one of our Christian counselors, someone who specializes in the area of concern that you're going through. And let me remind you, these resources are available thanks to donors like you. And I'd invite you to make a contribution today. And when you make a donation of any amount, I'll send you a copy of Corey's book, The Hiding Place. And if you prefer an audio experience, visit our website to get the download of our radio theater production of Corey's story. It's the ultimate theater of the mind, and you'll feel like you've traveled back in time. So get a copy today. And you can do that when you call 800, the letter A, and the word family. 800-232-6459, or donate online and request the book, The Hiding Place, at focusonthefamily.com slash broadcast. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us today for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller, inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ. 